everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 58 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lynn Cook and I am your host today. If this is the first episode you're listening to, then welcome and thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're coming back, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as you have enjoyed ones in the past. Now, I sat down today to record this podcast and I really didn't think I would be recording the episode I'm about to record because sometimes, you know, things kind of jump into my brain um, and my focus shifts very quickly um, into something else and it was something that I felt was quite important to do this episode on today Um, and it is the kind of Christmas season holiday period and we were on a theme of um, holiday traditions we looked at Guyanese pepper pot in 56 and um, sorrel hibiscus anything else you might call it in 57 episode 57 that is and then episode 58 was going to be another food tradition but For some reason, I just felt not in the mood to do that. And then I was thinking, well, what am I going to talk about instead then? Because you haven't really made a plan and time is ticking, Deanna. And I decided once I'd gone on Twitter um, and I'd seen the news that a bookshop called New Beacon Books um, was set to close. Now, this isn't official. It's not come from, you know, them officially. It's come from kind of other accounts and other kind of news outlets um to say they are to close but um I wanted to talk to you about New Beacon Books the history um and just to kind of push you in their direction you know if it's a new coming up to the new year for you and you're listening and you need a book to start your year um or you buy books anyway you know you buy some of the recommendations that I have suggested I know some of you listen to an episode and then head straight to your bookshop or or site you normally purchase books on and buy, you know, whatever the recommendation of the week is. Um, And New Beacon Books are available, obviously, from the physical shop in Finsbury Park. And also online, they have a website. Um, They actually faced closure in around 2016, 2017, um, and they had a huge fundraising campaign. And it raised around £12,000 or just over and they were able to update their IT systems with it. Um, and so now I can offer, you know, online shopping for their for their books. So, you know, if you are not able to get to London um, to support the shop in that way, you can go online. Um, but I think it's important that, you know, we support New Beacon Books if we can. Um, if it is to be their final kind of months, weeks, days of opening, I don't know. Um, and if not, and if they can kind of come back from this, you know, let's kind of get behind them and, and financially support because when you understand their history um, and their founders and, you know, the reason why they are there um, at the moment um, and what they have kind of set out to do and what they've done for black British people in this country, um, I think you'll also want to get get behind that and support. So thank you again for listening. And, you know, if you feel like giving some money by buying some books then please 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 do that or you know support other small bookshops um around you um that are struggling and have been because of the pandemic and just because you know we're becoming a more digital society and we want everything quickly and conveniently and doing things online is always a little bit easier so you know please don't let that ruin some of these fantastic institutions and physical spaces of, you know, radical anti-racism and progress um, that, that could be made.
So, the story of New Beacon Books. New Beacon Books was founded in 1966 by John LaRose and his partner Sarah White, um, and it was the UK's first black publisher, specialist bookshop and international book distributor. And they have been specialists in African and Caribbean literature since 1966. You know, they publish and sell books about poetry, literature, as I mentioned, non-fiction texts, history texts, children's books as well, um, and pamphlets and leaflets. And they were a key kind of component of a lot of the campaigns um, for racial equality in the late 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s and onwards um but especially I would say in the 60s and one thing we talk about a lot or one kind of section of society I talk about about a lot on this podcast is education um and New Beacon Books was kind of part of that campaign um against putting children in those ESN educationally subnormal schools um they also worked with the black parents movement the black youth movement um the alliance the new cross massacre action committee um which happened in 1981 um they worked for the release of political prisoners in Kenya and um the struggle of you know people of african caribbean and even asian descent in britain um and worked with so many different organizations and groups like you know the list is endless um in order to make the experience of black people in Britain a little bit easier. Now, you know, we've spoken about the kind of activists and the um, organisers, and whilst um, John LaRose was definitely one of those, this was a public space. This was kind of like, think about the Mangrove, the first episode I ever did, the Mangrove restaurant being an actual physical space for people to come together. And whilst, yes, it's a a bookshop um, and a place to publish, you know, it's also going to be a space of community um, and of activism, which is very important, um, I think, in this country especially. Um, And the fact that it's kind of potentially facing closure right now, whilst it doesn't function the same way, I think, in the community and in society as it might have done all the way back then, it still is extremely important um, in different ways, um, mainly in a historical sense um, and kind of looking back at what John LaRose and Sarah White were able to achieve with this space. So now a little bit of information on John LaRose um, and a bit about his life. Um, I won't go too deep into it because... The episode is obviously about New Beacon Books, but he's instrumental and very important. And also, um, it's quite a coincidence that I'm recording this episode on the 27th of December. And that's actually the day of his birth. And so, you know, if he were alive today, it would be his birthday. Um, And so he was born on the 27th of December, as I said, in 1927 in Trinidad. Um, And he passed away in 2006, um, in February of 2006. He was born in a place called Arima uh, in Trinidad and Tobago, as I mentioned. Um, And his dad was a cocoa trader and his mum was a teacher. He had uh, four sisters and a brother. um, And after going to um, the local Catholic school, he won a scholarship um, to a school called St Mary's College in Port of Spain. Um, And after finishing school, he taught at St. Mary's and then actually became a leading insurance executive in a place called Colonial Life, um, which was an insurance company um, and a very big one all across the Caribbean. Um, Very interesting name, Colonial Life. Um, He actually, after that, taught um, and lived in Venezuela um, and then migrated to Britain in 1961. 
um, and his life in Britain kind of saw him, as well as his life in the Caribbean, saw him um, as a political and cultural activist, a poet, a writer, a publisher, and of course, um, what we kind of know him for and are thinking about today um, as a founder of New Beacon Books, which he founded in 1966. And just to kind of name and reel off a few of the other kind of accomplishments and things he's worked on and been a part of, um, just to give you a flavour of the man, um, this is definitely a whistle-stop tour of John LaRose's life and I think he deserves his own episode um, in its entirety as opposed to being a part of this one. Um, but I do want to give you context about him. So um, he actually was one of the co-founders of CAM, Caribbean Arts Move, um, Artist Movement, um, alongside Edward Camus Brethwaite and Andrew Sulkley. Um, he was also chairman of the Institute of Race Relations um, from 1972 to 1973. Um, and he was also the chairman of Towards Racial Justice, which was the kind of vehicle for publishing the campaigning journal Race Today, um, which was, you know, part of um, a lot of the people that were involved in the Mangrove Nine and the Black Panther movement in the UK they were kind of also part of that race today collective and the writers um that wrote for that and organized kind of under that umbrella and institution um he was also closely involved with the black education movement fighting against banding um which was a policy uh where children were kind of grouped off um and it obviously negatively impacted black and asian children um he also fought against the disproportionate placement of black West Indian children in educationally subnormal schools um, and then he founded in 1969 the George Padmore Supplementary School um, which was one of the first of its kind and helped to um, give children an education alongside of what they were or were not getting in mainstream school. He was also um, helped find um, the Caribbean Education and Community Workers Association um, and they published Bernard Cord's How the West Indian Child is Made Educationally Subnormal in British Schools, British School System, sorry, which I talk about so much on this podcast. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go back and listen to some past episodes. I can't remember which episode that one was in particular, but um, as in what number, but it was, I think, in 2020 I recorded it. So a while back from now. And then finally, well, not finally, because he did so many other things and I'm just like fast forwarding through. But um, I think another really important one to mention in this episode is in 1991, um, John LaRose with a number of other colleagues founded the George Padmore Institute. Um, and the George Padmore Institute is actually on top of New Beacon Books. Um, and it's one of the archives that holds a load of information about um, the impact of the education system on black children and some of the campaigns around it. Um, and just a lot of stuff about education. It's got... Um, a lot of John LaRose's um, personal like files, um, written letters, campaigns he was involved with, organising, activism, that kind of thing. Um, and so that archive has been instrumental, instrumental to me um, as a researcher and so many others that research anything to do with black British history, I think, alongside like the Black Cultural Archives, London Metropolitan Archives, um, the George Padmore Institute is just somewhere you will have to go to find out certain things um, and to see certain things. Um, and this was founded in 1991 as a library, an archive and an educational research centre which housed 
materials essentially relating to the life experiences of Caribbean, African and Asian communities in Britain. Um, and the aim of it was a place, again, to organise, um, to be a research centre, to allow the materials to be used, obviously with care, um, for different groups that might have needed it, individuals, um, whether that be in person or, you know, taking a picture of, of what you need and then kind of taking, going off with that and, and using it. Um, and also um, there's been a variety of, like, educational, cultural events, conferences, courses, seminars, talks, readings, um, and especially in relation to, like, book publication because the bookshop is literally downstairs. Um, I don't think the George Padmore Institute is going to be impacted by this potential closure of New Beacon Books. Um, however, again, these are really important spaces within Black British history and within Black British society. Um, so thinking about that and thinking about, you know, where your support could go, um, having listened to this episode, I think it's definitely important to think of that. And yeah, the George Padmore Institute is a very, very, very important place. And so I think it's definitely the case that I had to speak about it today and get it involved in this episode, especially because it's upstairs. Um, so, you know, you can kind of, you have to book to go to the archives and, you know, order the materials you need in advance and whatnot, especially with COVID. So many more restrictions with COVID and the archives. And that is just a whole another conversation. But um, yeah, it's just interesting as well that they, they take kind of the same physical space in Finsbury Park and the importance of that place as well just kind of highlights John LaRose's vision with it all um, and everything he was kind of trying to do um, whilst in Britain. Okay, so thinking about the why then, why did John LaRose decide to set up New Beacon Books? Why did he think there was a need for a publisher uh, and a black bookshop in the UK in the 1960s? Um, and essentially, and this is taken directly from New Beacon Books' website, um, it was essentially inspired by uh, John LaRose's advanced political and cultural experiences and vision that came from living in, of course, the Caribbean and then South America, where he taught in Venezuela. Um, and these ideas have been stated clearly in New Beacon catalogues. And I quote, growing up in a colonial society made John LaRose acutely aware that colonial policy was based on a deliberate withholding of information from generation to generation. There was also discontinuity of information from generation to generation. Publishing, therefore, was a vehicle to give an independent validation to one's own culture, history, politics, a sense of self, and to make a break with discontinuity. End quote. I think that's really interesting because it's essentially this idea that, you know, what one generation goes through might not be known by the next generation deliberately um, as a deliberate policy um, in a colonial society um, because you know if you don't know and understand how bad the colonial powers that be treated your ancestors then you know you it might change the way you think about the real relationship with said people um, as the kind of next generation or the generation that follows and essentially it's all about education and through, for him it was through through culture through your identity through history through politics and through books um, and in publishing, he was able to bring these books to the people that needed to read them. And um, I think I really do resonate with that vision, um, especially with the History Outline, 
um, and this podcast, it, it is to educate people and to kind of remind people of things that have happened in the past. Um, sometimes it's a reminder and sometimes, like some of you say, you never knew this stuff happened. And I also sometimes think if you had known these things had happened, if I had known these things had happened as I walked through life as a younger person, um, would my outlook be different? Would my perception be different? Would I think about society in a different way? And I think I would. Um, and I think that, you know, passing on this information generation to generation is so important. And it seems to me quite unfortunate that books and actual physical printed documents are like going out of style or out of fashion. Um, and we prefer to take our information on a pod, not necessarily on a podcast. It's not, it's not terrible. It's not, that's not what I'm saying, but quickly, essentially podcasts, um, reels, TikToks, even YouTube videos. Um, we kind of want this information fed into us, like injected into us, as opposed to us having to actually necessarily do some work and pick up a book and, you know, disseminate these ideas and think about what they actually mean. And reading isn't accessible to everyone. We're in this mega fast moving society now where we don't have time to stop and read a book we don't have time to find a book or you know go to a bookshop so we're, we're doing everything online and I guess I'm kind of having a bit of a rant about the way society is but the way that society is moving has an impact on places like New Beacon Books um, and the impact of that is the fact that they potentially could go out of business um, because of the fact that we are getting our information in different ways. Um, and there's a lot to think about around that, and there's a lot of conversations that could happen. But right now, we don't need any more conversations, we need action. So get yourself down to New Eco Books, or get online and buy a book, and read the book, and then do something with that information. Let it change your perception of the world and society. And don't even read something that, I don't know, I always talk about, like, we do a lot of Black British Caribbean history here, African history, South American history, Asian history, it's all so interesting. Um, especially, I think, in books anyway, especially like a historical fiction. Um, you really can get into books there. And also if you've got children or nieces, nephews, younger siblings, whoever, small people in your family, um, they have a lot of children's books. And I think there was, growing up for me, I did not see black characters in the fiction I was reading at all. Um, and I think that will have such a positive impact on children's self-image going forward um, and also potentially acceptance and racism and, and all those kinds of things, depending on who's reading the books. And so this place is very important and the message I think they're sending with this place still existing and fighting to exist, as I said, in 2016, um, it, it faced closure, you know. The fact that they are still here today in 2021 fighting these giants like Amazon who can literally get you a book the same day for like the cheapest price on the market um you know they're still out there fighting to have their voice heard and to publish those authors um that might not get published in the mainstream now publishing has obviously developed um and gotten better from 1966 but it's still not where it should be let's be honest um so yeah they're doing good work and I think if we can support that then I would be truly grateful so please if you can support New Beacon Books 76 Stroud Green Road London um Finsbury Park is the closest station uh, postcode is N43EN or at newbeaconbooks.com 
for their website where you can buy the books. And I believe if what I'm seeing on Twitter is true, they have a 25% off sale, um, like a closing down sale. I just, they can't close. So it's not a closing down sale, it's just a sale, please. But also, I think the point is that they need support and they need people to buy the books. So buy the books, please. So if you took anything from this episode, buy some books from you beacon books um they have twitter um and i would go on there to check opening hours because i believe they have closed over christmas for a little break um so obviously just to find out when they're coming back you don't turn up down there and then they're not open god forbid um and obviously if not buy online but message of today is buy the books Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and learned a little bit about this space um, that was so instrumental in the kind of improvement of the situation for black and Asian communities in Britain, in London, um, in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s and onwards. Um, So buy the books, support New Beacon Books um, and hopefully we don't have to see this trailblazing space and these kind of pioneers um of of black publishing and and black bookshops in this country closed down because i'll tell you this now whilst new beacon books was the first it wasn't the last but it is one of the last standing there have been black bookshops that opened after that have not made it this far and so when our numbers of black spaces are this limited it's very important that we support the ones we can so thank you so much for listening buy the books have a great day goodbye thank you for listening to the history hotline if you've enjoyed this episode please tell a friend to tell a friend to continue the conversation about black history head over to our social media platforms at the history hotline on instagram and at the history hl on twitter